Cheerful Ghost Radio is recorded in front of a live studio audience of cardboard cutouts. And my cats. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everyone, my name is Tim and today I'm joined by... The host formerly known as Travis, but Tim put my name in here as Jerkface, so I guess that's my name now. (laughs) And John Dotson. And in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio, we are reviewing the first half of Netflix's latest docuseries, High Score. According to IMDb, High Score traces the history of classic video games featuring insights from the innovators who brought these worlds and characters to life. Alright guys, we uh, we reviewed episodes 1, 2, and 3 for this episode. Let's start off with uh, episode 1 called Boom and Bust. Travis, why don't you start us off with your thoughts? So I didn't really see, and this kind of goes for most of the stuff in this series. I didn't see a lot of stuff that was new to me in terms of like the information presented, but I love the way the documentary kind of pieces together a few different stories that are related and kind it of feels presents... like a celebration, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, yeah. 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 Right. I think all of them in general, it's more like a yay video games, right? Right. Except yeah. for the part about E.T., which was you can't really say yay about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I loved um, seeing like one of my favorite things about this episode and a lot of other episodes that some of which you guys haven't seen yet, I guess. But um, a lot of them will go back and interview people who won tournaments for video games in certain eras. And there's a, a woman in this who won uh and asteroids, asteroids, space invaders, Which I think space invaders, yeah. who won space the space invaders, invaders tournament. Yeah. And uh, there's another one later on for the uh, Nintendo World Championships and then the Sega Rock the Rock in episode four, which I, I, it's just great to go back and get player perspectives on what was going on at the time rather than just talking to the the developers behind it. But but yeah, I love uh, seeing how those like early arcade pioneers uh, dug into the arcade machines and like made their own enhancement boards for them. And I, I, the one thing, one thing that I really was surprised about was that Miss Pac-Man started off like that. Like that was not, it was a Pac-Man mod. Yeah. Yeah, That wasn't an invention from Namco that came from a bunch of hackers tinkering with it to see what else they could get it to do. And then Namco officially licensed it, which was just great. I love that. They little didn't bit. add to that section was they didn't mention that Miss Pac-Man's, I believe the most high selling, um, arcade game of all time. Like there are just so many Miss Pac-Man arcade cabinets. Out right. There I mean, you can still find huge. a ton of them. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just mm-hmm. huge, huge. But yeah, I think that, um, episode one would have been, the only real complaint I had about any of the episodes of the series was in episode one. And I don't really know that I call it a complaint so much, but I did note that like talking about the early days and the Atari, there were 
a lot of different uh, other home consoles that kind of came and went that they didn't really even touch on. And that could have been like a focus issue because, you know, there were a lot of... ColecoVision, Fairchild, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, It would have been nice to have seen their place in it, but at the same time, they were nowhere near as big as Atari. And then, you know, the bust happened because of E.T. And that (laughs) hearing the guy tell the story about how he met up with Spielberg and he's like, all right, well you got five weeks to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. No wonder that thing failed yeah, as badly as it did. <laughs> Whatever problems have ever come about by rushing developers too quickly right. on something. Right. I've uh, never yeah. heard of that. It doesn't happen now ever. So that's oh, of course not. No, everybody learned their that. lesson with ET and that was the last time it happened. <laughs> yeah, episode one, I thought was a, a great start for the series and they, it was all uphill from there too. a great start that set it off for even better ones coming up. John, your thoughts. I think that I agree with everything Travis said for the most part. Um, but one my biggest response to this episode is my God, I'm glad we don't live in the arcade era anymore because I, I love playing games in my house, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> imagine a world where we were, we'd, we'd have to go to an arcade to play video mm-hmm. games right now. Right. Yeah. We never play them. Um, you know, and a lot of, especially right now, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. really true. And I, and I think that, um, I have a lot of nostalgia for, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and playing, you know, um, you know, Ninja Turtles with you, Tim, you know, going to Chuck E. Mm -hmm. Cheese and playing Ninja Turtles and the Simpsons arcade game and, you know, the big old duck hunt games that they had, you know, you know, ski shooting and all that kind of thing. But on the other hand, I'm kind of glad that that's over. And I'll be honest with you that my nostalgia isn't so heavy for the Atari era. It's not not as not that I don't respect it, not that I don't think it was wasn't hugely important. Um, I owned ET. I had a cartridge, and then I sold my Atari 2600. It's um, but I so it's not an era that I have a whole lot of fondness for. I'll just be honest with you. Um, but I I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I think it did. Um, that air a lot of really glossy high production value justice, which is what high score is, right? It's uh, yeah, it's just a really good um, way to look at it. And I and, and I want to kind of spin it up a little bit, too, because I think high score is a really good example of other stuff that Netflix does where I kind of go off a little bit of a diversion here for like two minutes. But um, you guys have seen shows on Netflix like the shows that made us and the toys that made us. You guys have seen those on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. I have not. Right. And those are a lot of kind of like high score. It honestly feels very similar. It's like nostalgia vehicles. One of the things that's really cool about the movies that made us is they're, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go in depth about like Home Alone and Back to the Future and movies like that. Whereas Netflix can't license those movies, right? They can't license Home Alone. It's owned by Disney now. They're never going to be able to show it again, right? Mm-hmm. But they can have some Home Alone stuff that those fans really like. Um, you can have some He-Man stuff and the toys that made us, you can have some GI Joe stuff for Netflix people, right? Cause you're not going to be able to through the power of a documentary, right? It's legal to do that. I kind of think that this is kind of another area where Netflix is really kind of capitalizing on the whole idea of a documentary, which is I can bring Nintendo content to Netflix people through a documentary. Hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, in a lot of ways, like if you look at uh, so it's one way to bring this kind of interesting content that they could never actually license the actual movies or whatever. Maybe they're not going to make a deal with Nintendo about getting a Zelda show. But if they kept doing stuff like this, hmm, 
lots of shows, right? So anyways, uh, I think it's really interesting. And I, and I like documentaries ability to do that sort of, you know, within fair use and copyright. I think it's actually really neat. But um, anyways, more about this episode. Again, uh, I think everyone's too hard on E.T. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like <laughs> I don't I, I think they say that it's maybe the reason why it brought down the video game industry. I don't think so. I really do think it was the saturation and the garbage where E.T. was just a big visible. Right thing that we can all point to but it i think it was the only also, thing and um, like, there was also a really bad pac-man port yes, that yes. a lot of people point to yeah, as the, yeah. the sort of final nail in the coffin for the atari right you know video game era and when i had my 2600 i had pac-man that was bad version uh and i agree it was okay it just it wasn't great yeah. and then i had et and i honestly i just was confused and could make no sense of it right but i yeah. didn't think it was bad i just was like well this is weird i don't get it um, so yeah, but you know, it, it's nice to see kind of where it all started in terms of consoles anyway. So boom and bust. It, it's, it's a really great way to, to sort of begin the series and you just see the level of craft right away, which continues throughout all the episodes, which I really loved. But yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a really slick production. They've got cool, like, uh, they got a cool intro, lots of fun pixel art. That they, you know, throw out. Uh, throughout the the episodes there to kind of like highlight or you know when they're doing like stories about stuff in the past where they don't have video they'll animate it using pixel art it's it's really cool it's really fun to watch kind of like you john i don't have a lot of nostalgia for atari i mean certainly i have played plenty of atari games either you know in the arcade or on an actual atari but um as a kid, I had not played the Atari until after I already had a Nintendo. And as as awesome as the Atari is, I think we can all say that the Nintendo was the better system <laughs> with the better games. I think we <clears> might <throat> all agree with yeah. that, but I think a lot of people in the Portland retro gaming community might not. But oh. it's but there are a lot of re- Atari lovers Actually, in the Portland retro. I would love to hear your discussions on this. <laughs> well, well, I'll t- well, I, all I'm saying is there's a lot of Atari collectors yeah. in the local area. I mean, I would say yeah. I, the Nintendo era beyond is better, obviously. But like, yeah. you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, my cousin yeah. had an Atari 2600 and I played it and I was like, yeah, OK, that's kind of cool. Not really mm-hmm. interested. And then he got an NES. I'm like, I need this now. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I played the Atari yeah, first and I just did not care about it at all. I mean, right. I, I do enjoy going back and playing them now as kind of a look at how things started. And it is a very important system. And there's some fun stuff on there. But yeah, I didn't really get into it. So could we just should we just go talk about episode two? I was, was right going to say this. Yeah. We yeah, might that's... as well just segue into episode two. <laughs> yep. Come back, kid. Tim, why don't you just course... talk about episode two? Yeah. So episode two, titled Comeback Kid, is all about the Nintendo Entertainment System. Trading cards. (laughs) It's all about the trading cards. (laughs) Hanafuda. It's a fun game. I I keep meaning to try to order a deck for myself. I used to play that in high school. Um, Yeah, the Nintendo Entertainment System, man. Uh, I know at least two of the three people on this podcast are lifelong video game fans because of this system. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about you, Travis, if oh, that's yeah. what really yeah. got you hooked. So, 100%, yeah. yes. And this episode in particular was also the one where it was just like straight nostalgia injected right into my veins. 
It's like I an mean, episode even, of cotton candy, really. I mean, it's just yeah, cotton. It's yes. just a hot dog or a yeah. pizza or something, right? Yeah, and even like the little bits of commercials, you know, from the Nintendo and the games and stuff like that that they showed. Like I Mario, remember seeing those Mario, as a kid. Mario, yes, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wasn't a whole lot of new information uh, that I didn't know previously on this episode. Yeah, almost nothing. Almost nothing. Yeah. yeah. The, the episodes are really not, they're not like real deep dives on the topic. They don't cover everything. But um, as you mentioned, that's kind of not what they're aiming for. It's more of like a, a very, you know, basic overview of the history at that time. And mostly just to kind of like celebrate it and talk mm-hmm. about some of the fun stuff. Uh, I did like that they uh, showed the, the game counselors that you used to be able to call in. That was the right. coolest part of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And I I yeah. want one of those binders that they showed. I want oh, that no. jacket. I want oh, that came oh, counselor dude. jacket. The jacket was awesome. Yeah. But I, yeah. it's the binder, dude. I want the binder that was full of all the like yes. in-game maps right. and, you know, how to get to everything. I just want one of those. That you know, half so of that cool. stuff was photocopied Zelda maps that someone else made, which right. I want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I want those. Yes. But let's be honest, though, as much as that guy hyped up the job, that would have to be like the worst job dealing with kids calling you yeah. like, all day. I mean, it would be fun to play the games, but man, I, I yeah. feel like I would get to the point where I hated the games doing that job. Well, the hard thing is I'd have to pretend that I liked Kid Icarus, right? You'd have to pretend yeah. or something or, uh, that... Golden Goblins. Yeah, right. you'd have to pretend that it's not a garbage game and the kid just needs to keep trying. But you'd be like, kid, just walk away. Just walk the hell away from this game. But you can't. You can't. And yeah, they talked just about that a little bit where the kids Mario are like... Mario 3 and Zelda, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I could do that all yes. day. Yes, When they start exactly. calling in about, you know, right. some of these other games. Oof. Yeah, that's... That's where it's got to. Uh, You're gonna take. They would transfer you, you. You and Travis would get ice climber calls all day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, oh, I want to say one more thing about the NES episode comeback kid. So, um, again, we, we're all. It's, it's kind of a 50 foot view, really quick, 44 yeah. minutes. Um, I think that the gaming historian and I linked this uh, on Cheerful Ghost did a really great, um deep dive into how Nintendo actually entered the North American market, which is a really, really interesting story. Um, Again, High Score only talks about it briefly again because it's got to cover so much stuff, like the whole Mario era and the Mario stuff and the Mario craze and everything. So it's it's, it's a lot in 44 minutes, but how Nintendo actually made its inroads in the United States was really, really challenging, really hard. Um, and the gaming historian really talks about that and does it again. He, he goes on for like an hour and 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> with a way less budget then. But that's really interesting to watch, too, um, because it just showed how hard it was to enter the market and get in stores at the time. You know, you didn't have the Internet. You you had to work with retailers, you know, and it was it was really hard and how they, you know, had to, you know, get an old I, 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 I can't remember. if It was like a toxic sludge factory or something i can't remember anyway it's this old converted factory and you know warehouse and all the nintendos and stuff because at the time you know the nintendo was um really successful in japan they didn't know if it'd be successful in the u.s and i and i really appreciated how in um this episode as well of high score they showed you know the, the you know some of the um designs you know that they were looking at uh that they, they yeah. you know, may have brought the nintendo to and i'm really glad they hit the one they came with for the united states and i'm glad they did redesign it there's quite a few improvements 
I would argue that they made to the Nintendo um, in the United States. One of them is the ability to remove controllers. Um, those were just built in to yeah. the Famicom. You could not yeah. do that. Um, also, uh, you know, since we didn't get the disc system, you could add saving to your cartridges. Now, the um, high score, you know, seems to think, oh, Zelda invented, you know, saving. Well, in Japan, actually, it was on a disc and you just saved it to the disc, right? Mm-hmm. So they had to invent that for the United States specifically. So I don't really talk about that one too much, but that which is, you know, fine. One also downside of the Nintendo in the United States, as opposed to the Famicom, was the Famicom had it more in a more, um, I would say, like robust and advanced sound chip. So this is something if you guys are interested in, just go listen to Zelda Famicom versus NES Famicom. And you, you're going to feel cheated. I'm going to tell you <laughs> from the yeah. audio. Oh, yeah. Um, it, that was that was the sad one. I would say, again, the NES in the United States, I think, is superior in every way except the audio, which is really sad because y- you lose some some fun there. I don't know. I don't know how many channels you lose. Travis, you've you've heard the differences, right? Um, I have. It's been a while, but I remember thinking, man, this sounds a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a director's cut of a movie when you get like five <laughs> minutes of right. Star Wars back or whatever. And you're like, what is this? It's incredible. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's cool. So go, go listen to some of those side by side. But again, Comeback Kid, it's like it's like some great cotton candy, baby, which is pretty much what high score is. It's just cotton candy. It is. It is. Yeah. It's great. It's great. All right. And then episode three was all about role playing games and uh, kind of how they got started. So this one was a sort of a as far as like the nostalgia hit for me was sort of a hit and miss because a lot of the games they talked about were PC games. And at this point in my life, I did not own a PC, so mm-hmm. I did not have access to most of these games. In fact, my only access to uh, a computer was either uh, at my aunt's house, uh, your grandma, John, <laughs> or at a school oh, yeah. playing yeah. Oregon Trail and, you know, things like that. So I didn't yeah. I didn't get to play Ultima or any of these some of the early right. role playing games. But they also talked a bit about, like, the Final Fantasy franchise, and that one is totally my jam. As oh, yeah. we As we talked about, you know, uh, in our last playing and watching episode, as well as just throughout, you know, our, our tenure here with Cheerful Ghost, uh, we're big Final Fantasy fans here. So that was that was really cool to see. Yeah, I loved watching him paint the those uh, kind of cover art portraits in real time and oh yeah that, that was seeing just... him paint those classic final fantasy characters yeah. was awesome can i yes okay so tim when mm-hmm. i originally saw when i f- started up role players i was like okay great this is gonna be a snooze i'm gonna fall asleep and i and i immediately because because they started out really in a way that was just attacking my brain in a way that i just couldn't give too much of an f about <laughs> which they're like Role playing is a huge thing and a lot of people play role playing games and they're showing these screenshots of like <sighs> Skyrim and I'm like I don't give a sh- about any of this. <laughs> Not that I don't love these games. I love these games, but no yeah. one I don't want to watch a documentary about Skyrim. I don't care right now. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. it, it's just not something I like I or 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 like I don't know. I, I literally thought this was going to be terrible and then they bring it all the way back to sort of like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And Ultima and like even weirder games that like just brought in storytelling and graphics and 
And so I think this episode maybe wasn't so hot for you, Tim, but I think it showcases um, a really astute eye for high score because this could have been a really trash episode. <laughs> I'll just be honest, right? Because they could <laughs> no, have been it, just it like, was a really good episode. Uh, my point that I was trying to make earlier is that it, it didn't hit the nostalgia fix. Oh, that sure. The Nintendo episode. Totally. Did. Absolutely. But, but the episode itself was really good. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Absolutely. And they get into Ultima and then they talked about people that were making games for 2E and they, you know, Richard Gary, they had him in here and holy smokes, yeah. that was great. But he is a character. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> for <sure>. Lord British <laughs> himself. Yeah. yeah. They didn't call him Lord British. Why not? I I, I'm like, wait, I like to like, yeah. like, like, I'm like, this is Lord British, right? Because I know him more by that name. Than I know. Richard I have to Gary, look him up. Right? Like, hey, yeah. it's Lord British. <laughs> then they never mentioned it. Like, was exactly. that right? Really- and then they finally did show like an Ultima screenshot, like Lord British brings you Ultima, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it, you don't know. Maybe that's that guy. Yeah. You're not really sure. Um, yeah, I had and no idea I- the Ultima was so complex. Like all the behind yeah. the scenes like systems were so yeah. incredibly complex back then. Just I know the graphics weren't that great, but yeah, man, I had no idea that those kind of that level of like involvement behind the scenes has been standard for that long. Ultima was a game that when I heard about it as a kid, I wanted to play it. And my friend loaned me the, like the manual for Ultima and I went bonkers. I'm like strength, dexterity. You can get a dagger. You can get a sword. Like it blew my mind what you could do. It just sounded like the coolest thing ever. And then I told my parents and then it was, I couldn't play it cause it was evil. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which so, they do briefly mention the satanic panic at the time oh yeah. in, oh, in yeah. relation to Dungeons and Dragons more than role-playing games in general yeah but, but Ultimate yeah. got it yeah that Ultimate got thing. it as well yeah and I wished yeah. I could have played more of it I just I was it was banned you know because um the devil but I think that but I loved I I really enjoyed Ultima and I think that you know one of the really cool parts about those old games is you know, when you had such rudimentary graphics for the main character, you imbue your imagination into it. And mm-hmm. as someone who loves text games, like perhaps BBS games, you know, they maybe they should have done a section on Lord or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like, um, but, you know, I-, I love those kind of old classic RPG games where you can just imbue your imagination into it. And I think that's what makes like games like Lord and Tale of the White Wyvern that Travis and I made really kind of neat because, you you can't see it unless well we have some ascii graphics in there obviously but <laughs> but you have to bring your imagination for the rest and i think that's what makes it so fun for me you know and i think that again role players is one of the prime examples of why high score is so good because then it brings out brings out this game that i had only heard about in whiffs like not a lot and then they give a lot of focus to gay blade which is you know one of the first which i feel like i need to track down a copy of i know <laughs> it's I know. on the internet archive by the way you can download it for nice. free now yes and um and gay blade is a, i i, I want to do the same i kind of wanted to like play through it and do a review on cheerful ghost but uh which is you know a really cool you know it's it's a satire game where you at the end you kill pat buchanan which we need more of those games frankly where you kill <laughs> pat buchanan at the end but um you know for fun for fun not in real life people we don't kill people in real it's for it's not don't kill people in real life but um and it seemed really cool you know and um and it was sad you know it's got kind of a you know story of you know couldn't find the source and then you find the source but uh i i don't know just take such an esoteric game that was made on windows 3.1 
called Gay Blade and focus on it because it, it is important. And the, our history is important, even though, you know, some of it, you know, wasn't made, you know, with a gazillion dollars, you know, of a mm-hmm. profit. It's still important. It's still culture. It's still culturally relevant. And again, I, I think that's it, it's interesting because you've got this show, which is Cotton Candy, and it shouldn't cover topics like this. Right. It should yeah. have been as boring as I thought it was going to be at the start. And it really wasn't. Um, and that's why I really like role players a lot. Um, that's all I had to say about the episode. If you guys had more. Yeah. I like seeing the, um, like the evolution of graphics on those old games, like the, the yeah. beginnings of the Sierra games when, you know, let's take these text adventure games and add a house to it. Like if you're talking about a house, here's a picture of a, a vector picture of a house and just how, overly simplistic they were but they still got the point across you could still tell what was going on like the very very earliest computer game graphics that was a a great little nod to see it all see all that and just like some final overall thoughts i loved the little um like animated uh like when somebody was telling a story they would animate the story with like 8-bit pixel art I thought yes. those yes. were really charming. Those pixel and, graphics are on. Yeah, those are. Yeah. And in and, some yeah, ways, all those little, little segments better were than really some slick. of those games. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is this pixel artist is really good. This is really good. And you can't you can't not give a nod to Charles Martinet himself as the narrator, who is, of course, yeah. famous for voicing Parthenax the Dragon in Skyrim and nothing else ever. That's the only famous thing he's ever done. <laughs> No, he I've was, heard that guy's voice elsewhere. I mean, it's such yeah, a like, iconic yeah. voice. Did yeah, he do trailers the, or something? The voice of Mario and the voice of Parthenax the Dragon are about as opposite as you can get. But yeah, yeah, you can find an acting reel on YouTube. I think he did a few commercials. He's been in yeah. some small parts in TV shows through the years. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been probably living off that Mario money for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. But yeah, I really like it. And you guys, uh, Tim, have you watched anything past episode three yet? I haven't. No. The next few are up are really good. Uh, the Genesis, Nintendo Wars, and then like getting into fighting games, and then the mm-hmm. transition into 3D, and even more violence and controversy with Wolfenstein and Doom. It's a yeah. really great story, and you guys are in for a great experience. Woo! I told John and Tim that this might be one of those series that I just sit down and think, no, I'll watch one more. No, I'll do one more. I think I, it was yeah. like two sittings and I'd watched all six episodes. It's a great yes. series. <laughs> yeah, this, nice. this show's a bag of chips, no question about it. All right. So it's obvious that we've... Uh, we're fans of the series here, but uh, there have been some critiques about the high score documentary series here. Uh, one of them is uh, The Verge in their review mentioned that high score doesn't show the warts of the video game industry and it's a little too saccharine. That's my summation of what they were saying. That's not exactly a quote. So it's oh, one of the sorry. things they saw. No, no, it's OK. It's OK. okay. It's OK. No, I read through it and that's that is basically what they're saying. And. Yeah, I mean they're kind of right, but I at the same time, like you guys have both said, use the word celebration, and I think you're both right. That's not exactly yeah. what the documentary was going for. Maybe they could have ma- mentioned some stuff here and there about it, but 
I don't think that was the point. It's I can understand the criticism. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think there are different kinds of looking like docuseries or retro lookbacks or whatever you want to say. Right. Like if you look mm-hmm. at the video game historian, he's going to show warts and all. Right. He's he's really going to do it. And there are a lot of documentaries that do that. I just think this is one that's more of a. Yeah, like we said, celebration. And I think that's completely fine. It's also completely legitimate to say that about it and be like, well, it left me a little, you know, unsatisfied. And I totally understand that. I mean, but yeah. I mean, this could have been six episodes of an hour and a half, you know, uh, probably mm-hmm. not bingeable. I'm not sure I would have liked it more. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But I liked what I got. But it's a legit critique. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I think those are both legitimate critiques the the fact that it doesn't show the warts of the video game industry more so than that it's too saccharine because i think saccharine is kind of what they were going for (laughs) you know and yeah you know with the kind of people that they interviewed and and they bring on they sort of spotlight you know uh there's a lot of women that they bring in there's uh some non-binary people that they bring in yeah it seems like the whole point was to kind of you know show that video games are a little bit for everybody and that everybody's had a hand in their development, even though it is, you know, we all know it's a largely male dominated industry still. Mm -hmm. It's getting better, but it's still got a long ways to go. Right. They they do a really good job of bringing in people with at least four out of the six episodes. I can remember like showing how people who are marginalized for one reason or another found comfort and solace in video games, which I think is an important thing to show. I think that's one of the best things about video games. And I love that they took the time out to go into that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think kind of glossing over some of the, the wordier parts of video game kind of helps that aspect of it. And you know, that this is a, it's a celebration. It's all the good parts about the video game industry rather than, you know, sharing some of the some of the more negative aspects of it right and i'm all for not watering down history and this isn't a but this is just alongside that um we're focusing on a lot of warts in society right now (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe it's okay to celebrate some stuff that we love maybe that's okay too maybe everything doesn't have to be this dark dystopian circus maybe maybe that's okay too Right, for a while. Yeah. right. The world you know, is and, the world is cold and without hope, and this is just a warm blanket to kind of get you through yeah. a little bit yeah. of the insanity we're going through. I agree with you. Yeah. I th- that's a great point. Yeah. yeah, it's okay to it's okay to get a blanket right now. We all Absolutely. can. We can all get a blanket right now. <laughs> it's okay. All right, John, you want to take this next one? <laughs> yeah, so um, this is uh, this is critique that oh, I'm just going to say right away, I'm going to file in the bullshit department. <laughs> but I was like, just looking for people's critiques and I, I couldn't find a couple Twitter ones. Some people on Twitter were saying, oh, you know, I think this goes to show that, you know, high score goes to show that we need more video game documentaries that go in depth. I don't actually think that's the case. I think we've got things like no clip, which is a, you know, uh, a YouTube um channel that's on patreon that's focused on doing really in-depth documentaries like in the now right and i post them all the time on cheerful ghosts and i think you've got the video game historian and so i think there's a lot of people covering a lot of things from a lot of different angles so i'm not sure we need and then there's you know really cool documentaries on like minecraft out there and then the, the work that double fine has done you know and so i don't 
I mean, I, I guess I'd love to see more of these, but I'd, I don't know if it shows that, you know, we need like, you know, more 50 hour documentaries or whatever, but I'm, I'm all for watching those if they come out. That's cool too. Um, but, uh, and, and I thought that was kind of legitimate. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we need longer form stuff and that's great. Sure. I think so. But this one isn't, uh, <laughs> I, uh, some people say that high score is too gay. Um, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, which is like, they show the gay community and how they've impacted gaming and they show non-binary people and how they've impacted gaming. We don't erase their contributions by only showing straight people. And some people are like, well, is this too gay? Um, Tim and Travis, do I have to ask you guys? Is has Grey too gay? I say no. I yeah. don't think you have After to ask that question to us. No, I, I did saying no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to take, I want to take the like the squirt bottle that I use for my cat. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. It's not. It's stupid. And and I was just literally doing high score searches, and I saw this YouTube video. Is high score too gay? And I, I'm like, I don't even want to watch this. Maybe, of course, they probably say no, but like, what? Who? Why? Why? Uh, I don't know <laughs> about that YouTube video specifically, but go read some IMDb reviews for that episode uh, about the one that mentions yeah. Gay Blade. And yeah, there's a lot of people saying that. Ugh. Okay. Well. Yeah. I'm glad they did that. I, I think it. You was, know what? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you feel that way, maybe this series isn't for you (laughs) and the rest of the community will be better off for it. (laughs) Maybe real life isn't good enough for you because again, it's like, it's okay. Like it's, 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 it's actually a strength of the show to highlight legitimate video game history that is not shown. That's like, that's like next level shit for documentaries, right? Bringing up stuff that no one knew about. Uh, that's actually good. Right. Um, yeah. Isn't that what art's about, though, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if video games are art, then you can't erase aspects of reality and, like, video game history, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get people sometimes. All right, I don't think we think that's legitimate, but there are some critiques. No. Again, we, we've, we've, we've talked about those, um, and there we are. High score critiques. All right, so first half of high score. John, where do you place it on the ghost scale? It's a must watch. It's on Netflix. It's not a hard thing to watch through. If you love video games, you're going to love this. If you don't love video games, you probably are going to like this, too. I mean, there's there's I don't know what there is in in even. And you know how there's people that uh, well, it's really popular now to just put something on and people are screwing around on their phone and sort of half watching it my wife kind of did that with um uh, the last dance the michael jordan thing and she thought that was really good i think i'd put high score in the same category i mean last dance is obviously i would say it's better but um you know you could just put this on and people will be very entertained by it doesn't require a ton from the audience and that's really good to its credit so um high score must watch yeah i think it's a must watch also uh i mean Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast or you frequent Cheerful Ghost, uh, you are in the target uh, demographic for this. <laughs> Just chances are you probably already started watching it. Just give it a go. It's on Netflix. It's easily accessible. And the episodes are, are short and highly entertaining. No way. Skip it. Too gay. 
No. No. It's, it's definitely... No. No. <laughs> yeah. I need the squirt. Where's bottle. my squirt gun? <laughs> no, it's, I think it's definitely a must watch. Uh, I've, I've was thinking about this before I started watching it. Well, well, I'll probably have a, a different suggestion, whether it's like if somebody in the target demographic or not, but no, I think it's a must watch for video game fans. It's a great primer for people who may not be video game fans to kind of see the history at a bit of a high level. Like you both said, and like we talked about in the critiques, it doesn't go deep into things. It doesn't talk about the problems and such, but it's a great kind of high level view of, the way video games came to be where they are today. Um, and yeah, I think that John, like you said, just about anybody's going to find something to like in this. So must watch. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. No, no. Where's my squirt gun?